What's up, fam? This is your professor, Karima Lotus, with another edition of BBI Talks. According to an article published by the Chicago Tribune entitled Race, the Crack Epidemic, and the Effect on Today's Opiate Crisis, quote, unlike the heroin addicts creating today's opiate epidemic, which has had a disproportionate impact on white suburbanites and rural areas, black crack addicts were dispensable to many politicians. They belonged in jail. Many may not be familiar with the crack era and the subsequent war on drugs. However, we in the black community are still experiencing the impact of what this wave of drugs has done in destroying our communities, our families, and our ability to build generational wealth. Today, we are featuring the founder of Black-owned business and program from Gangsters to Growers, Sister Abiyadun Henderson. On this platform of Black business owners, we discuss issues that matter to us. And so once again, I am your professor, Karima Lotus, and this is BBI Talks. We gotta bring businesses back. My business is black. My business is black as the universe. I know why they mad. They gotta react. Cause we're universal influencers. I can supply you the man. Get what I need out the land. The earth is the kingdom of God. Glad that I know where I am. We gotta bring businesses back. My business is black. My business is black as the universe. I know why they mad. They gotta react. Cause we're universal influencers. I can supply you the man. I can supply you the man. Get what I need out the land. Glad that I know where I am. Sister Abia Dune Henderson. How you doing, Queen? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I can hear you. I'm doing fantastic. Oh, I said I'm, Thank I'm you well. so much for joining BBA. Can you hear me? Maybe there's a little delay. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a delay. There's a slight delay, but we're going to make it do what it do, sis. We're going to make it do what it do. So I, I would like to um, All right, here we go. Are we back? Am I clear now? Yes, you're clear okay. and I'm unfrozen. Awesome. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> hey there. Hey. How are you, Kate? Hey. <laughs> Beautiful. Mm -hmm. right, Is this the new show? 
<laughs> this so, is my son who's going to go back and finish his reading work. This is real life, y'all. Yes, yes, it is. I told him, I said, you know, a part of this pandemic is understanding that we're going to have internet woes. We're going to have the family at home. We're going to have all kind of stuff going on. So we're just going to keep it. Keep yeah. It <laughs> So if you wouldn't mind, please right. letting everybody know, introduce yourself again and uh, talk about your various organizations and the incredible work, sis, that you've been doing. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm the founder and executive director of Gangsters to Growers and the Come Up Project. Um, the Come Up Project featuring Gangsters to Growers. Uh, we run a training program for formerly incarcerated 17 to 24 year olds where they learn how to grow food. They start their day with yoga. Uh, four days a week, we have Tai Chi. We do political education, financial literacy, nutritional cooking, um, boxing, writing, uh, mm -hmm. Black history, um, financial uh, literacy, anything that you could think of. Uh, we have Black folks that are teaching workshops to these young people uh, in order to empower them uh, mentally, and physically. Uh, and we also have a developing cooperative called Sweet Soul, where we make this dope sauce with lavender, turmeric, and dark Moscovado sugar. Mm. And that's the Sweet Soul? Sweet Soul, yes. S-O-L, oh, wow. Sweet Soul. Oh, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to get some of that. So what what even brought you into the work that you're doing, sis? Because it's, it's a great foundation for us to really kind of talk about on the tail a, a little later on in the program, the topic of today. But I really want to lay a strong foundation as to your work and why you got into the work and, and what kind of impact that you're making. Well, I'll say this, you know, I got to give honor to my ancestors, um, <laughs> from West Africa, uh, the Liberia, where Liberia, Sierra Leone is from, um, come from the Kru tribe, KRU, known mm. to be historically the hardest to enslave. Mm. Um, my mother, who's from Liberia, she was a social worker. Right before she died, she started a school. My daddy mm. was a former Black Panther um, back in the day when he was young, a rank and file member. So, you know, that gave me a pretty strong foundation that I realized later on. Mm -hmm. um, uh, wow. But yeah, 2011, you know, the Occupy movement started. I was a brother from New York, started Occupy the Hood and, he, uh, you know, Malik Rasan. And he was like, you know, food first and uh, start programs uh, in your community. And I was like, okay, um, sounds like the Panthers to me. And, <laughs> you know, starting in 2012, we uh, started um, doing community gardening. We had a makeshift program run out my house where the youth would just, the, the babies would just come through, um, have a safe space, and then started a camp that lasted for three years, the Westview Empowerment Camp. Um, mm -hmm. I ran the community garden, the Westview Community Garden here in Atlanta for five years in a row. And in 2016, it was like, you know, while I'm running the garden and I'm part of the community organization, I'm hearing folks ask for more police presence and all these things. And I'm like, you know, that's not the answer. We need economic empowerment because I'm talking to these youth, you know, I'm going into the backyard where they got, you know, 20 pairs of sneakers that they just copped, you know what I'm saying? 
right. um, hitting licks out there, you know, um, doing whatever they could to to survive and feed their families, mm-hmm. um, and being entrapped in this whole system of materialism and greed right. as well. Um, you know, I was just like, oh, we gotta get money in their pockets. I was also, you know, my day job was working in fine dining, and um, I ended up working uh, with Unite Here Local Twenty Three, the union up mm-hmm. in the airport where we helped folks <laughs> get their proper pay in the kitchen. Folks didn't even know they were supposed to be making a dollar more, you know, and um, and then being around the folks that talk about the fight for 15, you mm-hmm. know, as $15 being a minimum wage. I was like, all right, so we need folks to make $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. We need um, at least, at least, because $15 an hour ain't nothing either, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, we need farmers need labor because I'm around all these dope black farmers and mm-hmm. we're talking about this food system being self-sufficient and we, you know, we don't have the labor force right. to really complete that mission. Right. Um, we need more folks to learn how to grow food and be exposed to healthier foods, mm-hmm. you know, and then just thinking about the camp we had and all the different workshops and stuff, you know, it was like, we just need some knowledge, just right. straight up knowledge and not, you know, two plus two is four type of knowledge. No. Nah. We need to know our history. We need to understand why our community looks the way it does. Mm-hmm. Um, we need an outlet um, like boxing. We need nutritional cooking classes. We need we need to know about the environment and how what role we play as Black folks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we need a healing. So we got that group therapy once a week. You know what I'm saying? We got the yoga, the Tai Chi. So we just, you know, like they say, put it all together and what do you get? Um, <laughs> you, get you get gangsters to growers and um, the final piece was, okay, we need worker-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Worker-owned business. The way we do in business where there's uh, one person, CEO, employees, all that stuff, that's not creating real generational wealth. It's mm-hmm. not the way to do things, um, I feel, you know, period. You know, I understand family businesses, you know, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Those are slick, you know, cooperatives because it runs through the family. But, yeah, we just need a different way of doing things. And like you alluded to before, you know, that crack era caused um, a real, the massive loss of jobs, redlining, creating um, public housing, uh, um, suburbanization, all those different things, leaders getting killed, starting Mm -hmm. there, you know what I'm saying? Just all those different things um, brought a deep depression into our community. Mm -hmm. And it showed up in so many different ways. And the youth, just got this rage within them, mm. this rage in them that our ancestors weren't allowed to show. Mm. So let, let's um, let's rewind a little bit um, yes. because for a lot of for a lot of um, the younger generations, you know, that come after us, they may not be familiar with what the crack era is, and what it means, what it meant. So if you wouldn't mind kind of giving a, a, an overview of what what are some of the, um, it's, a, it's a multi-dimensional topic, right? So if you can kind of highlight what are some of the layers involved when we're talking about the crack era? Yeah, you know, I was born in 1982 mm-hmm. um, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I lived in Do or Die, Best Die. Oh. And my- Okay. And my mother, um, <laughs> you know, we 
We are here. Um, BK all day. Uh, fourth generation Brooklyn night. You know what I'm saying? On my daddy's side. Uh, right. Yeah. So, you know, my mother owned a home, you know, um, in Bed-Stuy. And when I was five in 87, she was like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, it ravaged the community. I remember seeing uh, a taxi driver getting beat up, you know what I'm saying, and robbed, and my mm-hmm. aunt and uncle's house getting shot up, not because they were involved in anything, it's just stuff that was happening. So the different layers, right? So like with our family, we moved out of the hood. We moved out of that beautiful brownstone and moved mm-hmm. to Queens. Wow. You know, think about all the different families that were privileged enough because we were privileged enough to move out of the community because of how bad it had gotten, you know, that, that causing a disconnect between the different tribes, the different classes, you know, breaking down our community in that way, right? Taking a lot of the examples out of the community, those that could get out. Um, we think about folks that had gone through so much trauma that that drug was the best thing that they could get, you know, where that drug was, you know, everything to them, right? We, for the first time, we had mamas, black women who have taken care of everybody's children, white, <laughs> white and black children, mm-hmm. black mamas leaving their babies at home with no food mm-hmm. to get this drug. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like the first time in our history where that has ever happened, you know what I'm saying? In mass, mm-hmm. in mass, we got folks selling drugs to their mama, to their family members, you know what I'm saying? Not giving a damn, you know, Redu- reducing women to sex objects, you know, because they were willing to do anything for it. We got guns being put in babies' hands. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of when we stopped caring about the babies, mm-hmm. too, right? That's right. You know this mama got, got three babies at home with no food, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody going to check on those babies. You know, maybe there's a grandma, maybe. But it was the beginning of where we just stopped caring about, you know, at least we, your children was sacred in ways, in many ways, mm-hmm. you know. Then we see our elders, right, who were the most depressed. They've been through the most. Think about the late 70s and the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. You know, folks that uh, experienced when all the jobs disappeared. They experienced mm-hmm. Vietnam. They experienced segregation or, or racism in mass more than we can imagine. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And them taking to that drug and just the loss of respect that happened in the community. You know, who we look up to now. You know what I'm saying? Who do we look up to? Um, so, you know, it was, and then and then so many people getting locked up. Yes. So many people getting locked up, you know, the daddies, um, daddies and mamas and children, just whole families just getting locked up in the system, foster care system overflowing. You know, it was just the real destruction of uh, black families, no matter what the makeup of of that family was, you know. Um, So these youth have no, the young adults that we're dealing with now, some of them don't have a lot of them in the hood 
don't have no memory of when it was, let me go over to Miss Susie house to borrow a cup of sugar or whatever, mm -hmm. or Miss Susie saying, you know, I'm gonna tell your mama on, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. us, us respecting the authority or there being a code, a code of the streets. Even when if you was out there in the streets, there was a code, mm -hmm. it was a code. You ain't gonna rob grandma. You ain't gonna do certain things, but nah, during the crack era, everything flew out the window, out the window. And we're left with, with, with uh, extreme deaf culture where that includes suicide, <laughs> suicide and you know uh even more domestic violence mm -hmm. um more molestation mm -hmm. just um and just plain old murder over and a lot of it over money mm -hmm. greed and and i think it's important to also and and you you're spot on with everything that you're sharing and and it's and even the things that you have shared is just even so much more because um, then we're starting to get into um, an intentional and deliberate yeah. um, absolutely breakdown of our families to the point where it has been recorded that um, drugs would be would miraculously pop up in communities unattended. Um, which was meant for people to come and take it and distribute it. Guns would be in the back of vans, unmarked vans with the doors open for people to come and us, us to go get these weapons and ultimately use them against each other. Um, and then also I wanna um, read something as well because in addition to what we saw in the streets, there was legislation that was also right, inflicting right. additional harm on top of the harm that we were already experiencing. So in 1986, Congress passed what was called the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, establishing for the first time mandatory minimum sentences, which kind of gets to what you were talking about with the mass incarceration of predominantly our men, but not exclusively. And, and the sentences for the, were for those who were convicted of having specific amounts of crack versus cocaine, right? And of course, a small amount of crack, you received a mandatory 10, 20 year sentence uh, for, you know, drugs is drugs and, and crack and cocaine, they're, they're almost like crack is like the malt liquor of, of cocaine. So it's right. the same substance, it's just a more intense, if you will, uh, or the remnants of it is another way of saying it. Um, but they're still narcotics. They're still drugs. And so um, as a result, Blacks who um, were able to afford the crack, of course it was cheaper, received a greater amount of time behind bars than our Caucasian counterparts who may have had greater access to cocaine that was considered to be that more affluent drug, right? Yes. Um, and so I, I just wanted to share that. Um, yeah. In addition to Yeah, that there's legislation. Even more that context. This. So if it's, you wouldn't mind continuing, sis. Yeah, it's 50 different reasons, right? So, you know, and really I was just like mentioning the effects of, mm -hmm. of all that, you mm -hmm. know? Um, um, I'm sorry, my son. <laughs> Did you finish your assignment? Your reading assignment? Yeah, you can have the seaweed chips that are over there. All right. 
and then have some water and do your work. Have some water and do your work. So um, I'm right now I'm in the church. That's why the Wi-Fi is kind of, I'm in the church where we make our hot sauce <laughs> oh, as well. So the youth are out there getting interviewed and making hot sauce and mm -hmm. bottling hot sauce. My son is here. We're just, it's a whole big thing. Family fair going on right now. Awesome. Um, out here in Oakland City, uh, Southwest Atlanta. But yeah, Reagan, you know, Reagan coming through and getting rid of uh, mental health facilities mm -hmm. and, you know, the Iran-Contra uh, Iran war where mm -hmm. they were flying, using military planes to fly in cocaine to mm -hmm. pay for the war that was happening in mm -hmm. Colombia. Um, it's just crazy. It's it's mm -hmm. It's... Absolutely, you know, they got us out here calling ourselves savages, like I'm a savage, which is cute, mm. you know, or whatever. Or even before that song came out, you know, everybody walking around with savage on their chest and all this stuff. But we got to understand who the real sav <laughs> savages are, folks that will plot because of mm -hmm. greed, straight up greed mm -hmm. and thirst for power will plot on a group of people. They're addicted, just addicted to making money off of us. You know, they never learned how to survive um, or don't want to, just plain don't want to survive off of our, our blood, sweat, and tears by any means. You know, mm -hmm. whether we were the ones that were profiting. When, once you take, there's a great documentary, Bastards of the Party. So mm. Bastards of the Party, a brother who's a blood, who during the Rodney King, after Rodney King, um, was one of the folks that was helping with the truce. And mm -hmm. trying to bring Bloods and Crips together and just, you know, all the different things. He did a documentary that really broke down from how gangs started and that drug war. And he was like, yeah, you see that empty building over here? That used to be the GM factory. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? My uncle and my daddy used to work there. Then they closed it down. We would be working in there right now under them. But instead... You know, we working together to sell these drugs. We were working together to sell these drugs to make mm -hmm. this money. And then who profited once they made that money? What were they what were we buying? What were we buying? We was buying what Gucci, whatever, whatever it is, stuff that we didn't make, cars that, that we didn't make. <laughs> you know, um, you know, but like so whether we're rich or poor, they gonna get their money, you know. Um, Cause we as black folks don't make anything <laughs> except for culture and music. Um, but yeah, it's just the legislation, like you said, the, the, the disinvestment in our communities, um, just uh, this whole, even this nonprofit industrial complex, you know, uh, a charity driven models, you know what I'm saying? That we got going on that takes a group of people, a group of people that built a country that were so industrious that right after slavery, um, with the help of others, built universities and colleges and had their own businesses and owned so much land, farmers, you know, welders, uh, construction, mm -hmm. folks in construction. Mm -hmm. And now we look, <laughs> Yeah, you know, all the different things that reduced us to um, where we're at right now, you know. Um, and that, the, the, and as I said before, the, the crack era was the, the nail in the coffin. Mm -hmm. 
You know, you, you touched on uh, so many things, boy, sis. I mean, you teaching. Um, the, the last thing that you mentioned about the nonprofit industrial complex, that, that struck a chord with me. Um, I, I really want you to delve into that deeper. I have my own understanding of what that means, having worked with nonprofits for, what, 11 years now. But if you can share mm -hmm. with me what, what you have gotten from your experience. Yeah. What I'm, what, what I'm seeing that's happening is... Have somebody else do it, please. Um, what, what we're seeing is happening is, um, is that there's an influx of, well, first of all, there's a lot of nonprofits that are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not building institutions or businesses that help us become self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's easier to write a grant <laughs> and get money that way. You know, I'm not saying that it's not needed, but when do we go back to becoming more self-sufficient where we're not all going for the same pot of money? You know, yeah, there's unlimited money out here. Yeah. These folks are washing their money. Um, and, and another part is that we're getting this money. We're getting this money from folks that out of this hand, they're, they're, they're uh, making money off the prison system. And then in this hand, they're given to projects like ours that are trying to keep people out the prison system. This mm -hmm. hand, they have oil companies that they invest in. In this hand, they're given to organizations that uh, deal with environmental issues. Mm -hmm. Like it's all part of a game. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I, do, I work with this group called the Mama Fund that was created, the Metro Atlanta Mutual Aid Fund uh, that was created during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> Keep opening it, son. It's all right. Yeah. We, um, you know, um, during this pandemic and where we won't take money um, Google wanted to give us some money. We was like, no, Amazon wanted to give us some money to redistribute. What we do is uh, we, we had a rapid, rapid response grant, uh, grant or fund where people just came to us, filled out a very simple application, and folks were asking from anything from $50 to $1,000 to pay some bills, you know, right. to keep them afloat, you know, and we were able to give over 1,000 people um, money like that. You know what I'm saying? And Beautiful. with the end game being that we're creating a system of mutual aid where um, whether it's bartering, time banking, um, mm -hmm. developing cooperatives together, where we then engage the recipients um, the, or the participants in the fund, engage them in a way where now they're empowered to create a system where we just depend on each other. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be an exchange of money anymore. You need a ride over here. I need somebody to um, take care of my kids for an hour. Let's go. Right. I'll give you a couple of rides. You take care of my kids for an hour, you know. So, yeah. I, but the part is, is that they were they we we as a collective are very strict on who mm -hmm. we get money from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. We don't want no parts of of Amazon where you're 
you know, and I can't front. I do still buy stuff off of Amazon. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm trying. I'm trying as we build other systems. But, you know, the, the way they treat their employees, you know, employees were dying during the pandemic. Um, so many things different happening, you know. So anyway, that nonprofit industrial complex is something where I think it keeps us from getting self-sufficient. We get dependent, you know, we get dependent on on taking this money and we're not using it to build businesses that mm -hmm. everyone benefits off of. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. One of the things that when I consult with nonprofits, the first thing that I talk about is social entrepreneurship, creating products um, or services that will allow you to fund your programming. Because the other thing is, um, which I think you kind of alluded to as well, is that uh, a lot of these funders have their favorites. So, mm. so they already know, even though it's supposed to be fair and, and, and all that kind of stuff, the reality of it is that they already have relationships with certain people and they know who they're going to award. And so um, I, I've, I've seen that happen time and time again. And, and unfortunately, the, the types of organizations that they end up giving the big funding to are organizations that don't even provide those services. That's the thing right. that really me. So what they do is they turn around and they find, you know, grassroots organizations that are doing most of the work. And then they give them pennies on the dollar pennies. to what they actually receive from these funders to run the same level of programming. So you can't tell me that you'll ask a Georgia Power for $500 million over five years, right? And then you take $250,000 that you get to a grassroots organization and say, here, run this program at this level with the following deliverables. That's crazy, but unfortunately, it happens. It, ha it happens. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, 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 please. I mean, it, it's, I, it's real. I, I mean, we just told a group, we, we kind of set uh, a guideline to folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we're not jumping in hoops for $10,000. We have yet to have gotten a $250,000 grant. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the kind of work that we do, mm -hmm. you would think that our organization has had, you know, whatever it is. No, we have used food stamps to buy breakfast items, fruit and stuff for the youth. My food stamps, you know, mm -hmm. we rely on some folks that are just like, no, I don't want no money to teach this writing class. No, I don't want no money. You know, this is the first year out of four years that we've been able to spread this money around and pay youth out of our own pocket instead of using, fully utilizing like workforce, workforce development at the city of Atlanta, mm -hmm. um, which I think they should help us pay the youth fifteen dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but it's it's um, it, we we just tell them straight out. We're like, no, I'm not answering all these questions. Check out our Instagram page. You want to talk to the youth? We can do a conference call. Mm -hmm. We can we can all get on a Zoom call and we could talk about what we do and what we learn. And that's mm -hmm. it, but I'm not writing no big grant um, for $25,000. So mm -hmm. this recently, it was an organization, um, which I don't mind. I don't, I really am not beholden to anyone, but it was a partnership fund 
that wanted to fund us, right? And um, their fiscal sponsor was the Venture Fund or something like that. And mm -hmm. they asked us for things, you know, easy things, W-9, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, our fiscal sponsors, uh, determination letter, IRS, just simple things, right? And we're like, okay, here. And then they asked us for some more like a month and a half later. And I'm like, okay. And then the final thing was like, oh, uh, audited financial. Oh, we're going to give you 20,000 because we didn't even know the amount. We're going to give you 20,000, but we need the board members and staff. We need uh, audit, uh, audited financials. Mm -hmm. And I know this is normal stuff that they ask for, mm -hmm. but I don't mm -hmm. care. No, I said, oh, we got to get it. Sorry, Juwan. I was like, no, we have to get on a call with them right now so that they can understand that mm -hmm. that's for $20,000. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I have it right here already done. No, that's, that's pennies. That's pennies. We're too busy mm -hmm. running a full on program, building a, a, a business. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're building our next business, the bamboo and hemp production. You know what I'm saying? So we can process it mm -hmm. and create products out of it. We're, we're too busy doing too much stuff and we don't have fully paid staff. I, I'm not salaried. You know what I'm saying? We, right. <laughs> we don't, whenever I get a little piece of money, sometimes I got to give it to the youth to cover payroll. So we're not playing these games with y'all. If y'all want to support us, then support us. If you don't, you don't. And she was like, oh, I, I understand. And we're catching up and we really want to have this relationship. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because we make y'all look good. Y'all mm -hmm. are going to get a million off of this 20000 Mm hmm. The work that we're doing. Mm hmm. So we've been known to, you know, um, get money and, and give us maybe a report afterwards, maybe. And um, I'm not playing all these games with y'all. We out here trying to keep people from dying. And y'all mm -hmm. want paperwork? Get out my face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> That's real, sis. We've been blessed to operate like this, though. I'm going to say it's a privilege to be able to operate like this. And it's only because we just doing the work so they'll you know they'll let me run my mouth you know what i'm saying but and also y'all want us more than we want you we'll figure this out through community we've done it and, we've done it for the last four years <laughs> and, and that's that's my my charge to because this is a black owned business platform that is my charge to black yeah. owned business owners is stop giving your money to these large organizations like Salvation Army. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say Salvation Army. That is a multi-billion yeah. dollar non-profit. Multi-billion dollar non-profit. And then you have but to ask yourself- people still dying questions. on the streets. Come on now. How, how much of their programming is has been focused in black communities. We have to ask that question. I'm not mm. talking about how many times you've seen them in front of Kroger and Publix with their bail collecting money. I'm talking about how many programs have they brought to black communities. See, this this is we're at a time now, sis. <laughs> well, we got to start calling people to the carpet. That's it. Stop giving them my money. We learned from uh, Katrina. Mm. American Red Cross only 20 cents of every dollar that we donate actually goes to them to their programming 80 cents which means 80% of all the money they collect is administrative cost that means payroll y'all yeah. 
Basic operations, y'all, keeping the lights on, paying the rent. And that's why our people did not get the level of assistance from Red Cross that they should have gotten. Right. The money wasn't allocated to help the people. So when we're talking about the crack era, because we haven't gotten off the topic, y'all. When we're mm -hmm. talking about the crack era and we're talking about being able to solve our own problems, one of the things I, I, I talked about in the beginning was how uh, the opiate crisis has hit white suburbia. And you may ask the question, you know, the, the topic is the crack era then and now, but the crack era yesterday is the prelude to the opiate uh, uh, pandemic today. So, Sister Abia Dune, if you could please also share with us, like, what problems do you see today that is a residual of the crack era? And then what solutions are you recommending that we look at? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, like I've mentioned before, just the lack of respect for ourselves and community because um, of what we've been through and what we've seen and how we do each other because of the poverty that's in our communities um, from that time. Um, you know, we're seeing there also, because we had a lot of rich folks in them streets during that time, you know what I'm saying? The idolization of... Um, of selling drugs and hitting licks, you know what I'm saying? Instead of getting up and going to work. <laughs> um, you know, and then also we watch white folks do it for years and years and years and for centuries. And we're just like, why do we have to work so hard? <laughs> uh, I want that easy money too, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just um, we're seeing our communities that were ravaged, you know, uh, a loss of massive loss of businesses, just black owned businesses, period. Mm. You know, we still see in a lot of towns where uh, I think they were in Mississippi, there's a new show or something called Bell Something on the OWN network. And they talk about this one street that used to be, and I see it in Brooklyn too. You know, all, all these places used to be black owned businesses. You mm. know, during that time, those businesses dried up. Um, you know, it's just uh, a lot of residual effects and we're seeing and we're seeing now uh, the youth on the um, young adults and just folks, period, on these pills, on these pills and on these lean um, because of the depression and the trauma that folks have experienced, you know, um, <laughs> even down to the way we eat, you know, Um women having to to work more which is fine you know because I, I like working um but you know down to we we don't even have this teacher from douglas she was from belize african sister from belize right mm -hmm. um born and raised in, in belize and she was like yeah the students at this high school at douglas they have arthritis they have problems with their joints they have whatever they're not we're not mm -hmm. eating the same. we don't have greens with our meals we're not we're not even getting the nutrition that we used to get mm. children we, with arthritis we don't even think about that joints hurting and all this kind of stuff 
because they're not getting the nutrition that they used to get when mama, grandmama, whoever, you know what I'm saying, used to cook um, daily, weekly, whatever it was. You would have a vegetable. You'd have some green beans or have some collard greens or some turnip greens or some mustard greens. You would get more nutrition. We're not right. even getting the same amount of nutrition. And that stuff started petering out during the crack era. <laughs> mm. I mean, down to the food that we eat. And it's just, it's really, um, you see it in every aspect of our lives. Um, but the solutions, right? The solutions. For those of us that are blessed and privileged to know better and to be able to do better, uh, we got to search out Black farmers um, that are out here um, that I, I'll talk about the big ideas and then something very simple that we could do. <laughs> but the big ideas, you know, search out your black farmers. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're here in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> um, but it's a movement everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere we get black folks are getting back to the land. Urban farming is a real thing. Community gardens is a real thing. You know, um, search them out and buy some stuff from them. Buy some greens. Buy some buy whatever you can and try to divest from the grocery store. It's very hard. I haven't completely done it. And I'm, we got gardens everywhere. So I ain't coming from, you know, this mountaintop telling you how to do it. Cause it's hard. We are programmed to go to the grocery store, but okay. um, you know, support black businesses. There's webuyblack.com where you can buy our hot sauce. We buy black. You can get toilet tissue. You can get detergent, toothbrush, toothpaste, whatever you can. I, I go up the street to Wadada's because I'm blessed to live in Atlanta. Um, Black-owned health food store up here in the West End. Mm -hmm. And Black-owned business in the West End and I bought some toothpaste from there. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, that was made by a Black person. So we need to just start divesting you know, and investing in Black businesses. Um, another solution um Programs, search out programs if you are able to. Hey. Okay. Um, search out programs. Sorry, that was one of the youth uh, from, from the program. Um, search out programs, grassroots programs that are out here doing the work. And if you're able to, volunteer time. Volunteer some time, get to know them. Um, and see what you could do, whether it's an hour a month or once a year, just interact with them. If you're able to give some money, $5 a month, do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're other solutions, um, can, can we pause there for one moment? Um, so if you wouldn't mind giving information about your nonprofit, your program. Because okay. okay. if we're talk about giving, we, we need to talk about you first. So, so, yeah. so you know, and I, I know you may, you know, hesitate to talk about yourself first, but I really want to make yeah. sure that people know how to, to, to donate and how to give to what you're doing, sis. Yeah, so you can go to our Instagram, um, gangst Gangsters with an A-S. Um, Malachi Asar. 
Henderson Johnson. Yes, that's your name. Now I can't start Henderson. What What do you mean? I'm sorry. Right now, she's talking. Okay, y'all. Okay, yes, yeah, sorry. They, uh, our dope folks from House of June, they, they just want a photo um, real quick. But okay. yeah, we have a uh, connect to our gangsters. Okay, gangsters with an AS. Okay. To growers um, on Instagram and Facebook, okay. there's a GoFundMe uh, in the link in the bio and in the about page. Uh, Gangsters to Growers Youth Program. You can awesome. check out our GoFundMe. Um, that's and, and excuse me, Gangsters to Growers.com. Gangsters to Growers.com. Hit donate. It'll go straight to the GoFundMe. Go to our. You you can access how you can buy the sauce through We Buy Black. Um, mm -hmm. On our gangstersgrowers.com page, um, buy some sauce. We're trying to become self-sufficient. You know what I'm saying? We, we're trying to make a profit because um, we do pay our youth $15 an hour. So you can start there because we do have dope programming. We are supporting a village of um, dope black folks, uh, not only the youth, but institutions. We use a black-owned print shop for Beautiful. our labels for the hot sauce, a black-owned shipping company awesome. to ship ecom spaces um we're in a black church right now we are connected to this place called the connect you know um which is a developing cooperative um that we've utilized before um you know so many black businesses and black folks that we uh pay to come through you know what i'm saying so the dollar is truly circulating and we just finished um planting 1200 onion plants uh, we use onion garlic turmeric in our hot sauce so we have uh, partnered with the urban, um, a rural farm, Wilburn Farms, to source these onions, garlic, and turmeric. And we're going to partner with another black-owned farm for our lavender and to create our own apple cider vinegar that goes into the hot sauce. So we are awesome. literally creating an ecosystem. So, and, and another thing that you can do besides just supporting us, you know what I'm saying, is just say, hey, hey, brother, hold on. Just, hold on, son. Thank you. Say, hey, brother, and hey, sister, to your fellow black folks. Give compliments to these babies. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, look at your beautiful hair. Or, hey, brother, how was your day today? We need to start. Stop, please. I'm begging you. We need to tell them I'll be right there in three minutes. Um, we need to start talking to each other and creating this atmosphere of the village. You know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. least you can do. If you can't give money, if you can't volunteer time, um, if you can't, you know, we also pay attention to local politics. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us have divested from the political system because we see that um, they don't want us there, you know, um, whether they get rid of our vote or whatever it is. But voting is one of the easiest, simplest things that you can do because there's people that haven't divested. There's babies in the school system that's run by the school board. There's mm -hmm. folks that, you know, that the city council members can make decisions that change people's lives. Like, so let's not front like this political system. Like we just, just because you, you don't have to interact with it doesn't mean that there's thousands, millions of black folks that are stuck in this system. And the easiest thing you could do is, is vote. So all the things, there's 50 different ways we got to this point. And there's 50 different things that we can do to make it better. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So sis, what I did was everything that you shared um, by way of um, really 
a charge to us as a community. I have notated it. And so anyone who is on Facebook, everyone who is on YouTube, you can refer to the show notes and actually see everything that she shared because sis, you spot on. And, and these are the things that we need to do in order for us to have a greater amount of autonomy over the outcome of our future. We can't leave that in the hands of someone else. Truth right. be told, it's not even their responsibility. That's right. our responsibility because that's our future. Um, did you have to go, sis? Because I, I want to make sure that I respect your time. Did you have something? Yeah, you had I'm to sorry. They, I didn't know that they needed to take a picture. Um, okay. So I don't know <laughs> how I feel about that. Because I know what we have ten more minutes, or are we, you know. Yeah, we got about ten minutes. Can you give me ten minutes? I would like to, um, okay. you know, but uh, unless we take a, sh uh, a quick commercial break and I come right back. <laughs> okay, right, why, why don't Why don't we do that? That'll give me a chance to kind of make a couple of announcements. So you go, you know, do what you have to do, and then. Um, I'll share some information with everybody, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you, sis. Thank you. So I, I want to take this opportunity while sis is going to take the photos, uh, the photographs uh, with her youth that she's working with. Outstanding job right there in Oakland City. So if you are in the metropolitan Atlanta community, I strongly suggest that you go check out what sister is doing with our youth. You know, we always talking about how we don't have enough people working with our young people and teaching them the right things in terms of being um, self-sufficient, entrepreneurship. Um, and here, sister and her team, um, her family has really wrapped around an entire community and is doing outstanding work. And so this is our responsibility, fam, to support when we see nonprofits, when we see grassroots uh, organizations that are doing such impactful work. It is our responsibility to support them in every way imaginable. But I want to also thank you for joining today. I know Instagram, you could be anywhere watching any show out here, but I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to check in and, and see what BBI Talks is talking about today. So I just want to um, just kind of share some love. Sister Shar Star, who has joined us, thank you for joining BBI Talks. Uh, Nation Builders, uh, KSTB Enterprises. I want to let y'all know that sister right there, KSTB Enterprises is no joke. If you're looking for someone to assist you with your nonprofit formation, grant writing, sister is fire. So I strongly suggest that if you can use her services, by all means, reach out. Uh, sister Bay72, thank you very much for joining uh, BBI Talks. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to tune in. I also want to thank those of you who have been watching the show uh, via Facebook and YouTube. Um, that's been kind of checking us out. Uh, the last person who I saw that checked in was Sister Sasha. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and for leaving your wonderful comment. If you have any questions for our guests, um, here's an opportunity for you to go ahead and uh, put that question in the comment section so that I can make sure that I can ask her the, the questions that you may have to, to kind of get a greater um, depth in the topic that we're discussing. Um, but then there's also some other things that I, I want to share with you briefly while she's kind of handling her business. Um, there was a book that I had the opportunity to read uh, that is by a Harvard student. And if, if you have an opportunity, I strongly recommend that you pick it up. It's called Super Predator. 
And I know you probably heard that term before, super predator. Well, guess what? Uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Rodden Clinton was the one who actually coined that phrase. And this is all during the uh, crack era, right? And so she referred to our children as super predators because the understanding at that time is that because so many mothers were taking crack uh, when they were pregnant, when their children were in, in utero, they thought that our children were forever doomed to being mentally, emotionally, and psychologically and physically damaged. This is what they think of us when we have gone through an addiction. But on the converse, here we are now in the midst of an opiate uh, epidemic. And now you have legislators, let me pull out my, my receipts as they say. We have legislators that wanna handle this situation completely different. There's, matter of fact, there's a Republican, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. I'm going to read this right quick because I think my guess is back. Led a White House commission focused on addressing opiate addiction. Recently issued a report to Congress that gives us some insight into why this particular epidemic is so urgent, right? And in these commissions, they have made the request that any legislation that addresses the opium, uh, opium epidemic include counseling, include support, include all of the services that make that opiate epidemic a health crisis. Did you hear me? A health crisis, which means when it comes to Caucasians who have an opiate addiction. Oh, we need, they need therapy. They need counseling. They need rehabilitation. But when it was our children and our mothers and our fathers who were on drugs, oh, you're crack addicts. You need to be incarcerated. So here we see this duality of how something so serious, which is a health crisis for all of us, and how it's being handled now versus how it was handled then. I see my guest is back. I just wanted to take that time. How you doing, Sister Abia Doom? She's back. I'm, I'm well, but you hit <laughs> you you saying all the things, child. Like we we are treated um, like we're just unworthy of love. <laughs> yes. Love, care, and empathy. And that's why we have to, we have to be the ones to show each other that unconditional love and empathy because every black person that I talk to, you know what I'm saying? Because of the trauma, you know, it's all based on the trauma that we've had experienced that we've experienced with each other, that we've had growing up in the hood and the way folks did each other and all these, that, that because of the historical uh, context and the way this country was started, period. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. It's all an American made problem. Let me That's start right. there. Come you know, on. So no matter what, I, when I talk about black folks, I'm talking about the American made problem. I'm not talking about individual black folks, because right now all of us should be crazy out of our mind, but naked. Get running down the street from what we've been through. That's so right. that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel. That's right. So much trauma. And we we've been so strong through it that we we start to believe that we're invincible mm -hmm. and we're wondering why are we acting this way and why are we acting that way and all that kind of stuff. No, we've been through it. 
That's right. We've been through it. So when you see, when you, for those, for, for folks that go to a fast food spot or wherever spot and the sister got a funky attitude and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, why is she acting like, you don't know what she's going through at home. Her life's may be off. That's right. When we see these babies in the street acting a fool, I, we've had children that act up in school because they couldn't get clean clothes because the electricity was off. You understand? Like we have to put ourselves in in the shoes of each other and have some real love. You know, before the pandemic, I was a I gave hugs. You know what I'm saying? I you know, I I you know I give hugs. I give that 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 um just love, unconditional love to random black folks that we need. If I see a sister um, mean mugging, I'm gonna ask you, okay, sis. What's going on? How you doing? That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm in eating up fights, breaking up fights because I can't stand to see black folks fighting. And I've broken up so many fights where I'm like, what's going on? And the brother start talking about his mama. Well, my mama never, and his mama nowhere around, y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mama nowhere around. I've had to talk down a brother who had a gun across the street from where I was living in an apartment complex. He out there in the street, the sister got the teenagers out there and a the little baby just watching them and they think it's funny. We so desensitized, mm. so desensitized that they just watching them act a, a fool or whatever. I go out there and I ended up just, cause I'm telling the sister, okay, sis, why don't you leave and take these babies with you? Yeah. You know, she's like, no, I'm about to call the police. I said, well, if the police come, he has a gun and they're going to shoot him, you know? Right. Cause obviously he was going, he was drunk young, 20-something young, out his mind, drunk, whatever, and talking to, about some story, whatever. So I just get on my knees. I get on my knees. The sister, so she, she leaves, and I just talk him down. I'm scared out my mind, honestly, you know what I'm saying? And people tell me, stop being kept to save a, a, a black person, you know? But we need this mediation in our communities. And, and sometimes it has to be the women, to be honest. We need this type of mediation. We need people that are brave enough to not just watch people fight each other from the sidelines and realize there's some real pain there. And how can we stop it? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the baby ended up telling me a story about being in the military and the church mm-hmm. and the church did this and all that stuff. And then he went in his house mm-hmm. and no police were called. No one died and it was over. Mm-hmm. He got to start standing up. Stop believing the hype. Stop watching the news. Watching them lot another black person uh, a young black male killed da 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 a young black person stole a car stole stop watching that because mm-hmm. you're complicit in having young people locked up in jail mm-hmm. raging hormones i mean you know get down to the nitty-gritty of it locking mm-hmm. young men up in jail mm-hmm. solitary confinement unhealthy food mm-hmm. no real counseling we're com- we're all complicit in what's going on right now mm-hmm because we, we, we down the side, we think they deserve to be locked up. So mm. come on, y'all. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're telling the truth. I think one thing we have to consider, too, is that even uh, during the the throes of the crack era, it was us who was screaming the loudest asking for these uh, crackdowns in our community. You know, instead of taking the charge, like what you're saying, yeah. Um, and look at how we can start to um, 
patrol our own communities. You know, I, I was born in New York, but I moved around a lot. I was born in the Bronx. And yeah. when I was up, you know, hey, so, you know, the, the, the community activists that I knew at that time in my life that were really big on um, community patrol, um, they're no longer in, in existence. Um, I think they had on the Red Berets. I'm trying to think of the name of the group. Uh, but they they were very oh what was it guardian angels thank you honey they were very big in New York in terms of uh, patrolling you know subway stations subway trains you know hard hit communities um, and but nowadays we have um, organizations nationwide like ten thousand fearless men and women we have the peacekeepers out of I believe that's New York. Um, and I think they also have uh, locations nationally, as does the 10,000 Fearless. Matter of fact, there's one here in Atlanta in the Bluff. So here we have organizations that we can join, that we can lend our support to, to do these community patrols and see if we can lend assistance. But I also would strongly recommend that we get the right training of how to talk to our people so that we don't end up escalating a situation by by this, our mouths, and not saying the right thing, and it ends up being something more than what it needs to be. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. We need to be able to be willing to do as the other Middle Louis Farrakhan said during 10, 10, 15, uh, be committed to being of the fearless that is willing to step in between the guns and our people. We need to be able to have that level of courageousness when we go out into community. Pack and your book bag. Pack your book bag. Uh, Sister uh, Abiyadun, there is a question here that came up. Would you mind if I ask the question on behalf of the guests? Oh, no, I don't mind. And I, I apologize. I Everything you were saying was point on. Um, and the youth are trying to get out of here. Everybody wants to buy a t-shirt. Oh, we also have t-shirts, sweatshirts. And uh, long sleeve shirts for sale. Hit us up on our Instagram page. But yeah, I'd love to answer a question. <laughs> okay, for sure, I'm gonna get mine. Um, she mentioned a lot of. This is from the from the uh, viewer on Facebook. She mentioned a lot of smaller nonprofits. Would we be more successful if we tried to work with an organization doing what we want to do, or should we continue to start and run smaller programs independently? Wow. Um, so I think it all starts with doing the research. First of all, you always do what you want to do and what you love doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the number one thing. What do you love skill set? You know, that's what we tell when I ask people to come through the program, oh, what you want me to do? What do you like to do? <laughs> what do you do well? That's what you teach. You know what I'm saying? That's what you come through and teach. Um, so I think do the research, whatever you like to do, whether it's, uh, you know, children, youth, uh, food, um, health, whatever it is, um, see who's doing the stuff in the community. And usually the farmers, the urban farmers are connected to the grassroots stuff That's um, in whatever community you're in. But, um, you know, I'm not about all of us starting 
nonprofits separately. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm all about us contributing to folks that a lot of nonprofits don't have, the smaller nonprofits don't have the capacity to do what they need to do. And we're all pulling from the same pot of money. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, unless you have some real innovative idea that you see is missing, period. Um, even working with another organization that has a, a similar program in another state and saying, hey, how can I bring that program here? Because I see that you're making Good point. change. Good point. You're making change over there. How can we expand what you're doing over here? Mm-hmm. You know, if it relates to whatever region you're in, you know, so... Um, so I, I don't, the question is, you know, for me, I'm like, you talking about working in a um, big nonprofit and doing what you want to do, because there's people, there's also folks in these foundations that are trying to do some straight up reparations work that they, they specifically go to these big foundations and get control of pots of money mm-hmm. and give it to the grassroots programs. That, so folks are working in all different ways. And like I said, it's 50 different ways to liberate liberation. It ain't just the young people pulling up their pants. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That ain't going to cut it. That's not going to free us. Um, so, yeah, find what you're good at. If you got a college degree, you're able to get a job at these big foundations or a big nonprofit, and you see you're able to shift some things in that organization, do that. Do that then. You know? <laughs> Awesome. I, I want to take uh, the opportunity to thank our proud sponsors, uh, maxwell.com. It is a Black-owned vegan nail brand. So I want to thank Sister for being one of our sponsors of BBI Talks. That's maxwell.com. You can order your nail polish today. And I also want to thank, speaking of reparations, I want to thank our other sponsor, the National Reparations Institute. And guess what, y'all? The National Reparations Declaration is out. It is published. We always talk about, oh, we want reparations. Well, this particular declaration is going to illustrate what reparations should look like. And guess what? They crunched all the numbers. This is the first time I've ever seen an organization actually crunch the numbers of how much we should be looking at in reparations. So please check that out. You can order your copy today at nationalreparationsinstitute.org. And as a matter of fact, the brother who is uh, the founder of the National Reparations Institute will be coming back next week. And so please look for that information as well. We're going to really delve into what reparations can and should look like when we're talking about uh, local government and state government. We need to talk about that, y'all. So that way we don't leave this exclusively at the hands of lawmakers to decide what reparations should be to us. And so please check that out. Make sure you get your copy. And I just wanted to make sure that I did my sponsor, sis. I got to show them love because without them, there is no BBI talks. <laughs> they help us stay on the air and help us stay current. And I also want to thank... Um, Channel 17 in South Haven, Mississippi, and uh, Memphis, Tennessee, for airing BBI Talks. It's on New Nation, New Woman, New Nation show. I want to thank y'all for tuning in, and um, thank you for you know allowing us the opportunity to be able to have these conversations that we don't really get to have often. Um, and so here. We have Black-owned businesses that we're featuring. And oftentimes, I'm sure in your work, Sister Abiyadun, people don't ask you these kinds of questions. 
Um, they typically probably ask you questions related to your book. I mean, to your work, how you got started, how you get funding. And that's cool too. We talk about that too, but there are other issues that relate to the work that you do that are just as important. And they actually help to shape and mold the impact in the things that you do in the community. So sis, without further ado, do you have any last uh, comments or statements or things that you want to share? And please include how people can get in contact with you. Uh, you can hit us up on our Instagram and Facebook page um, and gangstersgrowers.com. Gangsters with an A-S, gangsters, um, T-O, growers. Uh, dot com. You know, I just want to mention being in Atlanta, a few dope organizations that are doing the work. Um, awesome. There's the Black Sustainability Network. Black Sustainability Network. Um, it's a, a worldwide community of Black folks that are focused on environmental issues, self-sufficiency, farming, intentional communities, all the things. Um, and also fulfilling the UN um the UN uh, directive to uh, create environmental sustainability all over the world, right? So people that are professionals, uh, contractors that are able to, so Black Sustainability Network, then there's the National Black Food Justice Alliance, um, National Black Food Justice Alliance. And this summer we were part of the Black Land Liberations uh, Reparation Summer Campaign, where they've cultivated white folks to give away 10% of their wealth and to um, give long-term um, donations um, to black land bases. And we were able to get 55,000 um, from that and 20,000 went straight to the land. And yesterday the young people planted the bamboo on that land that awesome. we helped get cleared. Um, you know, what was that one more time? Reparations what? Reparations summer campaign. It's gonna come back around this summer. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, and, th and that's through the Black Land and Liberation Group out of the National Black Food Justice Alliance, right? And which you could join if you know any Black farmers um, or Black landowners or whatever, you know, come join up, you know? Um, we are. There's. Uh, <laughs> right. Hey, yes. Please. Um, there's SAFON, um, Southern African American. Farmers Organic Network. A lot okay. of our tri tribe members. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm typing this out. Southern African. Southern African American Farmers Organic Network. Farmers Organic Network. Got it. They're providing resources to Black farmers. Um, a lot of our friends um, work for the organization, our family, I should say, work for the organizations, and we rock with the farmers that are. In that organization, we get turmeric. We got 25 pounds of turmeric that we got from High Hog Farms. You know, check out High Hog Farms. Check out Cemente Farms. You know, um, they have a CSA program where you can order food from them. Um, there's Wayne Swanson Swanson Family Farms. If you if you eat meat, they got they got meat. There's um, <laughs> you know, folks want to rewind this back. There's Grow Where You Are. There's True Living Well. That's yeah. set up at Farmers Market you know, where you can get food from. Um, a few other organizations, Song Southerners on New Ground, um, they do a lot of political education and a lot of, um, I don't know how the, they have the patience to do it, but they're at those city council meetings um, advocating for black folks all the time. I, I've been to 
a few of them and it felt like I was in the twilight zone talking to these city council members, but they're out there, you know, getting the jail closed, you know what I'm saying? Which Keisha Bottoms uh, may be rolling that back and may give that jail to Fulton County, but they, they've been able to get a lot of people out of that jail, um, repeal, you know, people aren't, uh, it's up to the cop, but you know, you don't have to get arrested for marijuana if you have less, less than the house. They, they've been getting laws changed. Okay. And what does um, the acronym mean? So Southerners on new ground. Hmm. So there's, um, women on the rise, women on the rise that does the same work. Uh, housing justice league that's out here with housing justice, you know, trying to keep folks in their homes. Mm. Um, there's community movement builders, community movement builders who has started a, a CMOS cooperative, worker-owned cooperative. Um, they mm. canvassed the neighborhood. They're giving out mutual aid to people that need um, help on their bills. You know what I'm saying? They are based in the movement Builders. Community, community builders. movement builders. Oh, builder. Okay, gotcha. There's the Working Families Party. If you want a different option, you know what I'm saying? Besides Republican and Democrat, Working Families Parties, check them out. They're starting local. They build help build local power. Mm. Local power. You know? Um, and yeah, that's what I got for you right now. Um, awesome. Those organizations are, and, and even Movement for Black Lives. I know some, there's criticism everywhere, right? But I'm right. telling you, you know, we're the or, we're the type of organization that we rock with everybody <laughs> because we know everybody has plays their role. That's you right. know what I'm saying? There's folks that need to be figuring out legislation stuff. There's folks that need to be growing food. There's folks that need to be um, building cooperatives. There need folks that do African-centered education. My son goes to uh, is blessed to go to a, a private school, a Keepland Academy. You know where he he learned how to read when he was three. And he's Beautiful. six now reading on a third grade level. Beautiful. So we are in, in touch with every single part of our community. You know, we, we're not those type of people like, oh, they need to do this. They need to do it. Everybody got their role, y'all. And we ain't going to build nothing if we keep shitting on each other. Excuse my language. If we don't realize what everybody has a role to play in, in getting this system, getting us all liberated, we can't, we got to stop shitting on each other's roles, man. Let these folks, if they want to deal with politics, let them deal with politics. That's you know right. what I'm saying? If folks just want to deal with vegan food, if that's all they doing, let them do the vegan food. If you that's eat right. meat, let them eat meat, but let them buy it from a black owned farm Come where on they now. know where they eat from. You know what I'm saying? So let's just stop playing these games. We aren't the enemies to each other. It's the system. So that's all. <laughs> that was a lot, sis, and I thank you for that. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to us having this yes. uh, level of communication again, sis, and, and there's tons that we could talk about, I'm sure, offline as well, but um, I want to thank- a conference on crack era. Yeah, come on now. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm in. So you just say the word. I'm in. I just want to thank you again, Sister Abia Dune Henderson, Gangsters the Growers, um, just for being on the show, sharing your light, sharing your experiences, your, your, your ideas, your thoughts. And, and all of this wonderful information. I really sincerely appreciate it, sis, just for taking that time out of your day. I thank your family for allowing us this time with you because I know when you're, when you're 
on air and you giving interviews, that means there's time that you're not with your babies and, and your man and all that other good stuff, right? And, and definitely with the youth. So I just want to thank you for taking that time and thank your family as well. So without further ado, this is BBI Talks, just bringing another wonderful uh, episode to a conclusion. I want to thank those who followed me on Instagram that joined a little later on, Brother Youssef Muhammad, the rapper extraordinaire. I want to thank you for joining as well. And of course, I want to thank those who were on Facebook and YouTube for joining the conversation and sharing your, your questions and your comments. I, I appreciate all of it. So we're going to uh, wrap up our show and we're going to uh, leave the way we came in thinking about how we as black businesses can come together and continue to build a nation of our own. All right now. We gotta bring businesses back. My business is black. My business is black as the universe. I know why they mad, they gotta react cause we're universal influencers. I can supply you the man. Get what I need out the land. The earth is the kingdom of God. Glad that I know where I am. We gotta bring businesses back. My business is black. My business is black as the universe. I know why they mad. They gotta react. Cause we're universal influencers. I can supply you the man. I can supply you the man. Get what I need out the land. Glad that I know.